Hello, podcast family, and welcome back for another episode. Uh, this week, I have a fellow podcaster on the show, uh, which is always good. And she will be sharing her three years of podcasting experience with us. Dr. Sylvia Perry, co-host of Three Friends Talk podcast. Uh, this podcast started off as a audio podcast, then it went to a live uh, remote podcast, and now they have progressed to doing in-person events, live events. So very exciting. She will share her wealth of knowledge of how to grow your podcast and also how to find the true purpose for your podcast. So I'm very excited about this episode. If this podcast is bringing you value, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review and share it with someone else that this information may bring value to them as well. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, so welcome back to another episode. And tonight we have Dr. Sylvia Perry, uh, who is a pharmacist, an author, entrepreneur, and founder of uh, PharmD Consultants of Texas. So, and also a co-host of Three Friends Talk podcast. So very glad to have another podcaster on the show tonight. And I look forward to interviewing you. Well, thanks for having me. You forgot to say fan of the sports doc. I have listened to several episodes and I'm really learning and entertained and just love what you're doing. So thanks for showing up in that way. Absolutely. So thank you very much. So, you know, like I said, before we start recording, you are a pioneer. You are, you know, been in the podcast realm now for about three years and I've been in it now for about, I guess, 10 months. So when I initially thought about going into podcasting, I discovered Dr. Nee Darko and enrolled in his course. And that's where we kind of got connected from a podcasting realm. Um, also being a fellow Xavier Wright in the School of Pharmacy. So there wasn't a whole lot of interaction. Y'all became professional students early on. We <laughs> you know, did. We were still out playing. Y'all were, you know, doing the professional student role. That's how it worked out. I thought I was going to be playing with y'all initially, but things changed. (laughs) Sure. sure. So let's start there. How did you decide to go into pharmacy? Well, I feel I always say pharmacy chose me. I went to Xavier thinking I would be a children's dentist. And once I got in the dorms, I was like, "Uh, I don't want to work in strangers' mouths. Mm -hmm. And I thought pharmacy was... um, a trade kind of like dry cleaning because I wasn't a sick child. You go to the um, counter, you drop something off, you get something back. Very similar to my dry cleaning experience. My mom was a principal, so she had suits that were getting dry cleaned all the time. And not until I got to Xavier did I realize that it was a medical profession and that I could still help people, but not necessarily have to touch them um, because I'm keeping it real. And then I talked to my dad about it. He, one of his frat brothers was a pharmacist and I talked to him and his wife and I applied and the rest is history. Gotcha. So growing up in the home with a principal, how was that as far from an educational standpoint? Um, no, um, it was kind of strict and there were high expectations from both of my parents. Um, I'll just say that my best best friend, her granny, was like surprised when I wasn't the girl that wowed out in college because <laughs> <laughs> things were kind of, the leash was kept very tight on me, gotcha, but um, gotcha. I guess it worked. I don't know. Sure, sure. So tell us about your practice in pharmacy. You know, of course, being in a COVID-19 pandemic, I'm sure your, your job has been greatly affected. It probably looks totally different from what it looked in 2020 or before 2020. So just kind of tell us about your experience. 
Yeah, so twofold. Um, I am a frontline worker. I work for a major chain and I've done that since I graduated. I started with Target Pharmacy and then they transitioned. And so I've been at my store since 2008 and, you know, it, I've seen kids grow up and everything. And that's kind of why I haven't left. I have one foot in, one foot out the door. But when the pandemic hit, it was just a whole new world. We didn't know how the virus was spread. So we were encouraging people not to come in. We started mailing out a ton of prescriptions. Um, People were seeking advice, calling us all the time and afraid to really step in into our store. So it really changed our practice in that way, that most of the interactions were via phone um, and sending messages to doctors and things of that nature, which I'd never really seen before. And um, I just remember we were cleaning the counter every time we had a patient come up and that was just a new thing. And some people respected it, some people didn't, but in that beginning, we didn't know a lot. We didn't have masks to spare. I had a patient whose husband was dying and she couldn't go see him anymore unless she had a mask. And I just was like, wow, what, what kind of world, you know, it just was such a shift that I think it threw everybody for a loop and we were just happy to be able to show up for people in that way. And then as we were able to get the vaccine out, being on the front line of that, being able to help so many people get vaccinated and recommending things when they did come down with COVID. Um, I, I think that pharmacists really shined in a way. And then in other ways, I think that there was a great opportunity for us to really beef up public health approaches and things of that nature in a united way that we still quite haven't figured out. Absolutely. So number one, thank you for the work that you've done and the work that you're still doing as a pharmacist during this pandemic, because you know working in a hospital is one thing, but we had protection to some extent. We had some masks, you know, everyone wasn't wearing a mask when they came in the hospital, but there's a lot of regulations in place. The pharmacists or the pharmacies, it was just, hey, show up to get your medicine, and people weren't wearing masks, so you were exposed. And I'm sure a lot of people got sick early on because we didn't know what to do. Like you said, you clean off the countertops and you try to stay away from people, but what else did you have you know, to protect yourself, which is not much. I remember early on, you coming home from the grocery store and you wanna clean, you know, my wife, don't bring the bags in, you know, clean the groceries and clean, wash off everything and clean the countertops. But that was all we knew. Uh, right. No mask. I mean, it was a while before masks became mandated. I'm sure you work in the South just like I do. Um, it took a while for that to catch on. So, number one, thank you for the work that you've done and the work that you're doing. And like you said, we're still trying to figure it out over two years into a pandemic in the United States of America, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, and my other role is um, I have a pharmacy consulting company and I work in surgery centers and clinic pharmacies to help kind of direct and manage that staff and manage their pharmacy operations. And the laws changed in Texas where I had to be there weekly in some instances. I could go more than a month without going to the pharmacy. Um, I, I didn't go that long without seeing them. 
but they were busy. Patients needed to be seen, you know, um, and it's one of those things. Oh, I'm sitting at home. Let me schedule this exam or this appointment. So people were kind of catching up on their to-do list. So that remained very busy. And it was just a trying time for everyone as we transitioned and didn't know, you know, if patient interaction could put me at greater risk and is this mask really protecting me, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, there were patients that just didn't believe in masks. I, the one thing I really just despise about this pandemic is that masking became a political issue and vaccines as well. It's one thing to have health concerns and make a decision based on your personal health history. It's another thing for it to be a political football. So um, hopefully we learn that lesson and we can move forward in a better way as things hopefully get back to normal as it turns into an endemic or whatever. Right, right. Um, so talk about your role as a pharmacy consultant and kind of just explain what that is. Yeah, so really I say pharmacy consultant is a catch-all. Mm -hmm. If you go do this survey for a company, you're a pharmacy consultant. So it's really vast. Um, I'll say that my type of consulting is more administrative, um, taking on the role of a pharmacy director. So running pharmacy operations, training, all of those things for non-traditional pharmacies. So um, in Texas, if you have a clinic and you're specific to one type of service, maybe a GI clinic, you could have a small formulary or different medicines related to stomach health or things of that nature. And that would be your little pharmacy. Um, you wouldn't have any pain meds or anything that could cause addiction, but you need a pharmacist to help run that, train your staff, things of that nature. Also, as a surgery center, there are lots of drugs that you use while you're tending to the patient that really are removed from the body very quickly. Some of those are narcotics and you need a pharmacist to help manage those as well, train staff, things of that nature, keep abreast of the current laws and check behind the work that's done, especially when narcotics are involved. So that's kind of my role um, in my centers. And then also have pharmacists that I work with that I manage them and help them make sure that they're staying abreast of the current laws and managing those pharmacies as well. So it and, sounds boring, but I really like it. Sure. No, 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 no. It sounds actually very interesting to me because, number one, I know you didn't get that training coming out of pharmacy school. So how did you kind of say, all right, this is a niche that I can kind of work my way into, and this is something I can do to supplement just my regular income? Yeah, it kind of found me, honestly. Um, I was having a pool party here where I live and we had to send a notice out to all the people in the complex and somebody said hey I'm a headhunter I see you have a farm D um we're looking for a contract pharmacist here and I, was, I ignored it I was like turning 30 I was going to Europe and I was like eh, eh, eh. I have a birthday party and then months later I reached back out and she said hey you should apply and I did, and I got the position, and then that was 08. So and then 2014, as I learned more and did more things, I went ahead and founded my company, and it's just been a joy um, and allowed me, like you said, to expand my resources in many different ways. So taking that leap of faith, was it scary at first going to open your own company? <sighs> no, I would say that wasn't the scary part for me. Mm -hmm. 
because it just kind of fell in line. Like, okay, I got this job. Okay, it makes sense to open the company. What was scarier for me was the what's next. Okay, this came so easy. It fell into my lap. I was just waiting for God to just throw some other opportunities in my lap. And I've had to work for those in different ways. And um, I don't know, as I've gotten older, I'd say I've gotten more cautious. So the person that applied for the job that didn't know exactly what it was, Mm -hmm. as I got older and had my own company, I had a little bit more caution. And so um, I had to work with someone to kind of get that coached out of me to continue to fail fast, fail forward. And, you know, from that failure, something good or something new or what you should be doing will come out of that. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to talk about is that fear of failure, because I feel that fear paralyzes a lot of people from doing a lot of great things simply because you don't want to fail. And then I heard someone say that failure is like vitamins. You know, it helps you move forward. It's healthy in a sense, because if you're not failing, you're probably not trying something different or you're not trying hard enough to do something outside the box. So talk to you mentioned that you had to get a coach to help you with that can you kind of give us a little tidbit a few tidbits on how to overcome the fear of failure um well shout out to dr dre he's a xavier grad as well so he has a b school for doctors and i um, attended his academy um he would always say fail fast fail forward so that means do it Mm -hmm. you know see how it works test it and um if it doesn't work learn the lessons from it, and then do it better next time or pivot in the way that you should. I think that, I'll speak for me, um, I can just get stuck in my head and have these great ideas that are never brought to life. And that surprises a lot of people, which which surprised me because that's all, I've always been a thinker, a thinker, a thinker. And because I came from a a person that was a leader in the community, my dad was as well, you know, you don't want to be out there, quote unquote, embarrassing the family doing mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of let go of those old notions, um, realize that, hey, this is my life. And at the end of the day, I'm not going out there to do anything that's going to put me in a horrible position. My always coming from a positive place. And I think your intent and purpose and what you're doing is so important as long as that is aligned with um, what you want to do in life. If you fail, you're going to learn the lessons and it's going to help you show up in a way that you should a more authentic way. So I have to tell myself that I have to remind myself of that it's not something that I'm just like, OK, set it and forget it. I'm going to fail and learn. I have to really like pump myself up and say, OK, let's do this. And that same thing happened with the podcast as well. Sure. It's still scary and it still hurts, but just know that there's something else that's going to come from it. For sure. All right. So you mentioned podcast. So how did you become a podcaster? Well, through Dr. Nee, um, I took his original course and um, learned so much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was a boot camp. And there were a lot of great other doctors in there. Um, So I learned from them as well. But Dr. Nee just really has broken, breaking it down to make it Anybody can podcast if you take his course. It's really not as intimidating as it seems. So once I saw, okay, you just press this and do this and do this. And I had a lot of the tools already. I said, let's do it. And um, I was supposed to start in March. That didn't quite work out. 
And so then um, two other pharmacy school friends, we kept in touch, but we'd never taken a trip together. So we took a girl's trip. I think it was late September. And I said, I'll only come if we start a podcast. And they were like, yeah, girl, whatever. <laughs> but I had my mic in hand and I was ready to go. And so. Now, after, what year is this? What year was this? This is 2019. Okay. So yeah, 2019, um, fall of 2019. So after a few margaritas and mojitos, we sat down and recorded in about four episodes. And then we launched, I think it was Halloween. And we just texted it to our friends and stuff. And they were listening and laughing and we're just getting all this good feedback. And um, that part is scary too. Nobody talks about that. Once you've launched your baby and you're getting feedback, good or bad, it's like, oh my gosh, I put something into the world. But it turned out to be really positive. And since then, um, we recorded and then we re released the episodes. But now we transitioned to a live show. We did that in 20 last part of 22 we transitioned to a, a live show and then we launched the podcast but um it's been great and the Xavier community has been so supportive as well so you mentioned margaritas and mojitos but that's kind of the energy of the show it's a very fun <laughs> show you know a lot of laughter a lot of joking um but it's a great show you still learn and you still teach even though you have fun with it so it's great and then you have co-host which I'm sure it makes it a lot easier, you know, probably take some of the pressure off of it versus when you're sitting here and the only person you can hear is yourself. And like you said, that fear when you release is real. I remember the first three months when I released my show, number one, you want people to listen to it, but then at the same time, you're scared to like tell people to listen to it, you know, so you want to keep it. I know I'm speaking for myself. I wanted to keep it inside a circle, friends and, you know, family not necessarily wanting to get out on the job or whatever, but it takes a while to get confident enough to say, all right, look, I'm a podcaster, number one, and listen to my show. Let me tell you about my show. It yeah. took me, I'd say at least three to four months to even get confident enough to say, all right, look, I'm a podcaster. Um, this is my show. Take a listen. And let me know what you think. Uh, but because really before then you didn't, you want to know what people think only if it's good. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, um, shout out to you for doing it because a lot of people have this idea. Um, Dr. Need really broke it down, but there is a lot that goes into podcasting. Um, I never did it by myself, mm -hmm. so I can only imagine having to do everything. So I, I, we really rely on each other. Um, and I think I checked your top five podcaster too. So shout out to you as well Thank for you. doing your thing. Um, and I love the show. I love the show. I've listened to several episodes, the Father's Day episode. There was one athlete. He was, every other word was a quote. That was interesting. That was Akeem Davis. That was, okay. <laughs> and yeah. he is dynamic. He is an excellent speaker. And yeah. you know, once he devotes his energy to speaking, he's going to go up the charts quickly. He, he was ready. And then I listened to Dr. Neal's episode, Dr. Mm -hmm. Eric. So mm -hmm. shout out. Um, one thing that I love that, and I hope more doctors get into podcasting, we have to take the scary out of medicine. That's why our show, it's all about health, friends, and fun. We want to keep it light. We want to keep it energetic, but we want you to get the information because at the end of the day, we don't go figure out what's going with us. We're going to continue to have these health disparities. Absolutely. And that's the heart of our show. 
Yeah. So, you know, mine is my motto is kind of like where life, sports and medicine intersect. Me being an orthopedic surgeon, me being a black male, me being a husband, a father and me being someone who did not look great on paper going into medical school, going into orthopedics. So I want to show people that you do not have to be perfect to be successful. You do not have to be perfect to be to get into medical school, to get into orthopedics, but you do have to be strategic. So I'm trying to give practical guidelines or practical tidbits that people can use to apply to their daily lives to achieve whatever level of success they want and whatever field they want to do it um, just to show, hey, it's possible. And I think many times, especially in our community, people don't get to see that it's, it's possible because they don't have role models or they don't have family members who have been physicians or been lawyers, been pharmacists, been whatever the title is that you want to achieve. Yeah, exactly. Same thing for me. I had no clue until I got to Xavier. Exposure is key. And sad to say, I didn't know I had a hip strain that led to some issues. I didn't know who to go see. I was going to the chiropractor, everybody. And so your show is so important for that too. Even as an adult, I didn't know where to go to get the help that I needed. And I should have been in your realm. Um, Luckily, I, it didn't get to surgery, but had I started there, I would have been in a much better place than, you know, where I started. And that's one thing, being another professional in a related field, like you said, you're in and out of physicians' offices, uh, surgery centers, but there is so much that we do not know about each other's professions, even when we walk past or interact each day. So this is, I think, podcasting is a great way, a laid back atmosphere where you will pick up many different things. I've learned about investments about real estate you know all kind of things last week i read i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about a book about getting unbusy and i immediately went and downloaded the book and started listening to it because i was like man that's something that i really need to work on in my life so you never know what you're going to pick up when you're listening to different podcasts or uh, when you're interacting with people on the podcast you get live feedback from your your audience which i think is great as well yeah, the live show has been a game changer and it's a different audience and we've still been able to maintain our um, straight up audio podcast base. So we'll have to um, see the sports doc do a live show at some point. Sure. sure. When you come on our show, you have to All come right. on our show. We'll get your feet wet and then you can um, host your own and we'll be in the audience and in the comments. All right. That'll work. That'll work. And speaking of live shows, y'all are actually doing, I saw that last year you did a real live show, in-person show. Talk, talk to us about that. Yes, we did. Um, last August, we had our first live show, The Chocolate Brunch, and it was awesome. Um, it was a lot of work. We didn't know if people were going to show up because it was still a pandemic, but they did. And that scary part when I first heard laughter in the room because you know we have a lot of phony moments on our show but we're the ones laughing but when right. we heard the audience laughing um my co-host Dr. Courtney Dr. Lear oh I knew we were popping I knew we were gonna be great <laughs> but it still took me back a little um just because I hadn't had that experience yet but it turned out really good we interviewed um uh oral surgeon Dr. Portia also another Xavier grad and so many questions were asked um, and so many questions were answered. People were talking about charcoal, toothpaste and everything. So I, people wanna know how to stay healthy 
and they want to know in a relatable way. Um, and that's what we were able to do in person. And we also talked about home buying um, with a good friend, Claire, Clara Torres. And it was a wonderful experience. We're actually getting ready to host our second Labby Bit in Atlanta. This is a scoop right. um, in Atlanta, um, April 9th. And it'll be the chocolate brunch after dark. So more to come about that. Man, that's awesome. After dark just means evening because we got in trouble with <laughs> yeah. the chocolate theme. You know, <laughs> we're not doing anything that is above a PG. So I hear you. Put that out there you. as well. Now, you know, so you go from a recorded show to a live show to an in-person show. When you started this three years ago, did you ever think that it would take you to a live event? Was that in the making? Was that even in the, in the, in the th realm of thoughts at that time? No, not at all. Um, we just wanted to do an audio podcast and make health relatable. That was our only goal. And it's taken us places that we never dreamed. We were able to get um, media passes for the <clears throat> Black Caucus this year. And so that's something that we never thought as well. Excellent. I'm glad you brought that up. I knew I'd heard it somewhere about media passes and it was from your show. So tell us about how that works, because I've asked around and I could not remember. I remember it was through Dr. Nee's program, but I couldn't remember uh -huh. who it was. So tell us how you got media pass, a media pass from being a podcast host. Well, another Xavier grad, Montcherie Holmes, she um, reached out and we were able to sign up because we are, as podcasters, we are media organizations and we were able to get media passes and have access to the panelists and ask questions and stuff. It was virtual. I think there's definitely some kinks that have to be worked out, but for our first time, it was really exciting and new and different. And another one of those moments to see three friends talk media was really exciting. Absolutely. So people that listen to my show, and I'm sure that follow your show as well, probably think that there are like 50,000 people that go to Xavier because, I mean, it, it's not a, a really a week that goes by without Xavier coming up on my show, you know, either from a some of the done I'm interviewing or me just sharing a positive experience that I've had. So talk to me about the Xavier experience. What makes it so special? What do you think? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Xavier, you know, I, I feel like it would be the town and the city um, analysis. The town feels smaller, feels close-knit. Mm -hmm. The city, you know, it's a little bit more isolating and you can get into all kinds of stuff. New Orleans is definitely a city, but Xavier is the town in that city. Um, it's small, it's close knit. Um, and because the program is rigorous, you just build these bonds and nobody understands what you're going through except for your fellow student. Your teachers are there for you. Um, and shout out to the Counseling Center. I think that really helped me in my transition, Ms. Labby and her team. Um, and I, from what I hear, the mental health resources have been beefed up even more. But I think everybody's there with the mission to be whatever professional they want to be. Not everybody that goes to Xavier becomes a doctor or a pharmacist or a dentist. Um, and you know that your teachers are there to see you, see you make that 
happen, to see your dreams become reality. And other friends, I don't think that they they knew that about the people that were teaching them. It was just, hey, I hope you pass my class or you don't, you know? So I think the close-knit community was huge for me. I didn't know that that's what I needed at the time, but it made a major difference for me. And I didn't feel like a number. I felt like a person. And um, the bonds, it's just you meet more and more people and that network continues to grow even after Xavier. Yeah, I don't think you really realize it while you're on campus is after you graduate and becoming get into your <laughs> profession or get into different walks of life and you start to bump into people that you really didn't connect with on campus, but you still have that common, you know, thread of being a Xavierite and achievement and goal focused and really trying to uplift the community. There's competition, but the competition is healthy because everyone really yes. at the end of the day wants to see you succeed, which is not when you get into the world, what you will get, you know, on a daily day basis. I agree. I agree. Shout out to Dr. Ashte and his study halls Man. that he used to host and yeah, <laughs> keeping us all passing organic chemistry and all kinds of things. So yeah. yeah. Boy genius. I mean, he used to get on that chalkboard and do what teachers could not do and just break it down and you know, yeah, shout out With to with a side of shade. Right. Side of shade. <laughs> yeah. You gotta oh, keep yeah. it real. Yeah, he was gonna insult you along the way, you know. Yeah, yes. but you got the he got the point across yeah yeah all right well thank you for coming on so on time out with sports doctor this is your final time out so you know being in the podcast realm seeing your show go from you know multiple phases from a recorded you know released episode to a live episode to now you're doing in-person events and killing the game what will you tell a novice that who's sitting you know trying to come up with a title trying to come up with cover art trying to figure out how to post an event and just completely paralyzed about all the different steps. Kind of give them something to look forward to. Yeah, press record. That's what I would say. Press record, get something done. Um, press record at least three times so you kind of get the hang of it. And then from there, you can work on the cover art, um, all that other stuff, and it can change. Our cover art has changed. Nothing is written in stone. And the beauty of podcasting is it's your show. You can do what you want with it. So um, our show went through a few different iterations before it became what it is today. Even before it was just an audio show, we've had different artwork, different music. So because you own it, you can do whatever you want with it. And reach out. The podcast community is very open and giving. Um, we help each other. So whatever questions you have, reach out, get a mentor, or just get a question answered. And we'll be there to support you along the way. Um, if you have something to say, there's somebody that wants to hear it. And that transformation is yours to give them. So be open. If it's on your heart, do it. And there are people that will help you do it. Absolutely. And one thing I think one advantage of podcasting is that it got me back into talking to people because you you texting and just walking by and emailing, you get so used to that that you lose the human touch of actually talking to people. And the power of networking has also shown through this podcast. I mean, I'd say I'm on episode like 40 plus now, and I, at least 10 of my guests, I had no clue who they were before starting a podcast. But 
I talk to Dr. Sylvia, who tells me about someone else, who tells me about someone else. And here you are meeting complete strangers and talking to them for five minutes or so, and then hitting record and having a great episode. You're learning from them, they're learning from you, and your audience is learning from the both of you. So I think that is a, you know, priceless, priceless to be able to experience I that. I agree. Real transformation, real conversations are happening. And I think that our world in general misses that a lot. Absolutely. So here we are. Absolutely. So tell my audience how they can find you, how they can follow your podcast and how they can get tickets to this upcoming show. Ooh. Okay. Well, I am Dr. Sylvia, D-R-S-Y-L-V-I-A on all social media. Um, Dr. Sylvia Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. You can find me on all the social channels. Um, connect with me there. Say hi in the comments. Tell me what you liked about this episode, what you didn't like. Um, and then my podcast with Dr. Leah and Dr. Courtney is the number three friends talk on all social media. And you can find us on your favorite podcast podcast platform or live every other Wednesday night on Facebook at three friends talk. So um, we're in the middle of sexual health. That has been very interesting. Um, we're going to continue love you, Wary, and have a few more episodes on that. And then April 9th is the chocolate brunch after dark. And we'll We'll post tickets. It will be on Eventbrite and we'll post tickets on our page. So just follow us on all the socials and you'll get all that information. Great, great. Well, Dr. Sylvia, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wealth of knowledge that you uh, shared with me and my audience. And I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I look forward to getting on the live show with you guys, getting my feet wet. We're coming up. We're talking about physical health coming up in the next few months, and you're the first one on the list. So oh, wow. we'll get the my people will call your people. Sounds good. Well, hey, my people is me right now. I gotta I gotta build my team. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Thank you for your continued support with this podcast. A five star review would be greatly appreciated. Subscribe to this podcast so you can continue to get the updated information and new episodes. Thank you.